Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour Maureen. Yeah, thank you. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a doorstopper, and I love film. As John Green once said, the only way out of the labyrinth of suffering is to forgive Jim Henson for not making a sequel to Labyrinth. Listen, John Green, it's a risk. I'm glad he left it at one perfect film, if you ask my opinion. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, and then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Sharon Stone, Jamila Jamil, and even Qued Cramble. But this week, my wonderful special guest is the brilliant actor and star of Community, Love, and many brilliant films. It's the unbelievable Gillian Jacobs. Get over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you'll get about 20 minutes extra chat and a secret from Gillian and you also get the full uncut video of the episode and it is an absolute corker. Join me over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, Gillian Jacobs is a brilliant actor and I was a huge fan of hers. We'd never met before we recorded this. We did it a few weeks ago over Zoom. As you'll hear, not only was she amazing, but she was also incredibly forgiving. You're going to love it. So that's it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 103 of Films to be Buried With. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried With. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by a megastar, a sitcom star, a theatre star, a film star, a improv star, perhaps, a human and a person in one. Please welcome to the show an absolute legend. Can't believe we've got her. Please welcome Gillian Jacobs. Hello! Thank you so much for doing this. I have to quickly ask you, how is your pandemic treating you? Um, You know, I'm very lucky to be safe and in good health. So, you know, I know know how lucky I am. How about you? Um, Yes, thank you. Um, I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm finding that being locked in a house very much uh, magnifies all the things that are wrong with your brain. (laughs) <laughs> and uh that's interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. 
It is a real magnifying glass, but all fine here. <laughs> um, now, I believe you when you say it. <laughs> now, I have to tell you something. Now, um, for someone who is a film buff, I had a gap in my film knowledge, and I had not seen Don't Think Twice, which I watched last night, and I found it devastating. <laughs> it is unbelievable, that film. That film is oh. like Inside Llewellyn Davis for comics. Wow, thank you. It was... Jeez. A, I mean, it was a... It was, it's amazing. Can you tell... Are you bored of talking about that film or can we talk about it a little bit? No, no. Yeah, I, I'm also very proud of that film. Um, yeah, so Mike Birbiglia wrote and stars and directed the film and it's about a... Uh, improv troupe uh and it's an amazing cast keegan michael key kate mccucci tammy sager chris gethard myself and mike um play the improv troupe but it's really about you know what is the purpose of art and life and ambition and what is more important to feel personally fulfilled or achieve objective success it's about a lot of things and also has really funny improv in it yeah and was the improv (laughs) improv uh, it's a mixture. So there yeah. are certain there are certain, you know, improv improv in quote scenes in the film that really you had to hit certain plot points to drive the story forward and then they would also just have us improvise. Um so it's a it's a mixture and you said I'm an improv star, yeah. but I'm really not because well, that's what I wanted to do ask. Could you not done it before? Yeah. No, I had not done it before and so we had like a two week boot camp. Wow. Uh before we started filming and Mike had uh, various performers and teachers from Upright Citizens Brigade in New York come in and teach us workshops. And then he claims he told us, I claim he didn't, that he also scheduled performances for us at yeah. at just Upright Citizens Brigade, other improv theaters in New York. And so after rehearsal, he was like, okay, we got to go. Got to get over to the theater. And I was like, what are you talking about? We've got a show. I've only had one improv class that had just happened. And I had to do... So I was having to improvise in front of paying audiences that weren't told, like, this is like a... (laughs) This is basically rehearsal. They were expecting a real show. So that... Probably the most afraid I had been in a long time. And were they good, those shows that you did with no I I definitely committed some early improviser um, no-nos, like just exiting out of a scene when I had backed myself into a a corner. But yes, then also the the rush and the high of like something really working. But I I think smartly realized that I was up there with like all-stars and I should just kind of watch and learn um, more than try and really push myself out there. But the intimidating thing about the film was my character was supposed to be really good. Yeah, so yeah normally... you, you seem really good. You come across... That's why I assumed... I really think, because it's so hard to do live comedy on film to make it work, and it really mm-hmm. feels legit. And I thought, oh, they must... I just assumed you must have done loads of it and that you must no. have done months of practicing. And no. No. And, you know, I think that's a testament to Mike because he really thought very carefully about how to film it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had an audience for those scenes that were people who liked comedy who, you know, I think maybe Mike went on Facebook and got them. So they were excited and engaged to be there. They were great. I mean, if they hadn't been responsive and excited, it would have been deadly. (laughs) Um, So the audience that we got for the film was amazing. But no, it was very intimidating. Um, and normally I would 
as a lazy actor, be like, oh, well, my character's not that good. But I couldn't do that in this instance. So it was really scary. <laughs> I'm also not good at, I'm not an impressionist. And so there's a section in the film where uh, Keegan, Michael Key and myself are auditioning for the movie's version of SNL. And we're at working on our impressions. And Mike originally had certain impressions in the in the script. And I was like, I don't know if I could do those. But I really liked Catherine Hepburn as a kid. Maybe I could do Catherine Hepburn. You do have really so, good. Thank you. I I loved that. Um, so, yeah, we, we licensed this clip of her um, on the Dick Cavett show where she's basically telling them to completely rearrange the set, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> It's really, really impressive. I like the idea of you going to Mike Birbiglia early on and going, what if my character, I've had the thought, what if my character's shit at improv? Yeah. Wouldn't that be useful? What, what if I'm, like, really bad? Because um... <laughs> you did, uh, what I do know about you is you went to Juilliard and you've done, you did a play recently, right? And, and I did, like, two years ago I did a play, okay. yeah. Okay, because I think there is a huge difference between acting and comedy and live comedy and did you find mm -hmm. any of the skills you had learned as a sort of stage performer were useful mm -hmm. or did you go like oh fuck this isn't helping I hadn't really thought about that I'm sure just the fact that I'd performed in front of live audiences since yeah. I was a, I grew up doing theater so that part of it but no I mean with the theater it's the complete opposite you've had you have a set script you've had <laughs> yeah. weeks of rehearsal you've had technical rehearsals you've done it you know till you know it inside and out so I guess the only part that came into play was I'd performed in front of live human beings before yeah. um but no I think you know I I, I think Im I think improv and um, stand-up are so intimidating to me I have no interest in stand-up comedy. It's so scary to me. You have nothing to hide behind. It, it, at least with the improv, you have other people on stage with you to, to pick you up. But, I mean, the thought of doing stand-up comedy... So just... you've never done, done stand-up? Oh, my God, no. No, 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 no. Well, the upside no. of improv is you, the other thing you have to fall behind is like, well, there was we, we just made it up. There was nothing. Yeah. But yes. I've done a couple of improv shows as like an experiment, and it is the scariest thing I ever did. Oh, so terrifying. Yeah. Oh. It's horrible. Horrible. <laughs> but also, what a buzz, but awful. What awful. Yeah. So you never, <laughs> after the film, you never, you thought, I'm not doing any more of that. You were like, no, like, good night. We, well, there was another time where the film premiered at South by Southwest and Mike booked us an improv show <sighs> in Austin. <sighs> and I had shot all night. I did this show called Love and I had yes. shot all night gone straight from set to the airport, flown to Austin, gotten ready and went to it. So I had been up for like 24 hours when we did that improv show in Austin. And so That's maybe good, I was so it? tired. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't, I, I was less scared because I was so tired. I was, you know, I wasn't really on that, um, on this astral plane anymore. And so it was slightly less <laughs> intimidating. Um, and it was actually, I think everyone was kind of tired. Like it got weirdly emotional. Oh, really? Um yeah, and Tammy Sager is such an incredible writer, um, improviser, actor, and she, she got very emotional doing this improv show in Austin and started crying, and people in the audience were crying. So it was kind of a nice relief, too, that like you're like, oh, improv can kind of be anything. It yeah. can be emotional as well as funny. But yeah, that's the last time I <laughs> That is, I, I mean, I would have just shit myself. That's oh yeah, really, you want to. <laughs> yeah, and especially if everyone else is like, "Yeah, it's fine. We're just doing an improv show." I'd be like, Ugh. I 
mean, you know, there are people in that cast who've done it for years and yeah. years and years and regularly. And, you know, for them, this was nothing. And for me, I was just white knuckling it through the whole experience. Well, it is. It's such a good film. And that, because uh, I had done, I had very little experience, but I, I was, in, I did the uh, monologues for a couple of UCB shows. And like, Everyone that was in the group is in that film. Do you know what I mean? As oh, a, really? As a type, you go. Oh, oh, yes, yes. As, as like, I saw that character. I saw that character. I mean, it's it's brutal. It's brutal that film. Yeah, really. It, it, I'm I'm very proud of that one. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Um That's it's a very. I think it's a it's a good film. Um, oh, Gillian. Oh, I've forgotten to tell you something. Oh no. Oh, oh. shit. Oh God. This is really bad. I should have told you before we started recording, so you could have had some yeah. time to at least prepare yourself. But uh, okay. Oh fuck! What a donut! Oh god, I'm on tenterhooks. Oh, no, what? I, I feel really serious. I should have. I probably should have even emailed you about. It. Anyway, but I'll just say it. I just say it. Um, I'll say it. You've died. You've oh, died. did I? Yeah. Shame. Such a shame. Um, how did you die? Well, I. You know, I'm. I was a physical coward in life, and I, I finally decided to take a risk and go skydiving, and I, I guess I'd been right all along. It didn't go well. No. What, it yeah. didn't open, or you went through a spike? What happened? <laughs> it didn't open. I, I got too nervous. I couldn't um, release the yeah. parachute, and I died. I like that as a way to go. Yeah, because, you know, I was too afraid to do anything remotely like that in life. And I thought, you know what, I'm, ju- I'm just going to go for it. So I, I it was it was thrilling. And then it was terrifying. And then I thought I was right all along. Yeah. I shouldn't I shouldn't have taken any physical risks in life. And then and you then had it was the all final over. buzz of self-righteousness as you hit the ground. And your, yeah. and your gravestone says, I was right, suckers. I affirm myself. <laughs> uh, how old do you think you were when you die? What, what would you like? I'd like to live long enough where I finally figured out something about life and how to live it. But before it became too uncomfortable physically or, you know, I, I was facing too many uh, things that made life uh, uncomfortable T- tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds pretty soon. Um. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what's I, my grandfather lived to ninety five and really? was in pretty good health right until the end. So I guess it's dependent on you know your quality of life. How so, do you worry about death a lot? Is it something you think about a lot? I have always been, as I said, very afraid of taking any kind of physical risk. So mm. I don't know if that's fear of death or fear of injury. But yeah, I'm not one to really um, to to take many risks at all, at all. <laughs> My dad got me a ski lesson when I was a child, when I was like six or seven, and uh, he left for the hour for me to have my ski lesson. And he came back and he asked the teacher, how did it go? And she said, well, she refused to move the entire time because she said it was too dangerous and didn't understand why anyone would want to slide down a mountain covered in snow and ice. So I've always been very sure. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you're inarguably right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, what do you say to that kid? No, it's perfectly safe Risk, to chuck yourself yeah. down a mountain. Yeah, so I, you know, he also told me another story that he, for some reason, was visiting my elementary school. And in gym class, 
the teacher had set up a series of cardboard boxes that we were supposed to run and jump over like hurdles. And my dad said, I ran up to the first one, moved it to the side, ran to the second one, moved it to the side and refused to jump. (laughs) You're a real smart kid. I don't know. I don't know if real smart or just just didn't want to exert myself physically at all. So I'd find a workaround. (laughs) I think that's smart. I think you saw the world in the correct way. And you were just like, everyone's fucking mad. Why are you putting all these boxes in the way? I like that. Do you think, do you think there's an afterlife? Do you believe something will happen when you die? Or do you think that's it? I'm sorry that I open with such big questions. We've only just met. It's, it's, I mean, why bother with small talk? Um, I 100% agree. My immediate response is no. But then I do recognize that I don't know everything about the universe. So maybe, let's go with the maybe, but my, my gut is no. Are you like okay with that? With the sort of idea of absolutely nothing after this? Um. <laughs> I don't know that I have a choice in it, so I guess I have to be okay with it if that's if that's what I believe is good is it, it will be. I'd rather that than eternal torment. That's a lovely way of looking at it. <laughs> I like that those were the two options. Nothing or, or You're torment. getting an insight into my worldview. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting. There were it was very binary. It's torture. <laughs> I know, pain. I have to break out of I have to break out of that. I have to stop thinking um in those terms. Um Pain and torture or nothing? And you chose nothing. <laughs> I think, uh, listen, I'd choose nothing over pain and torture. Between the two, right? Yeah. Nothingness. I'm sad that those are the options. But okay. I know. I'll take it. Hey, listen, I've got good news though. What? You were wrong. There was a third option. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> and it's being mo- stabbed multiple times by devil. <laughs> no, there, the other option is there is a heaven. <laughs> And it's well nice and no one makes oh. you do any physical anything. You don't have to do anything. You just sit down and people look after you. It's always like being in, a, in an old people's home. It's lovely. And in this heaven that's perfectly safe, no snow, nothing to trip over. <laughs> no one says jump over this. They're, they're obsessed with films. No? Oh, wonderful. Yeah, weird, right? And um, what they want to know is they want to know about your life through film. And the first right. question they ask you is, what is the first film you remember seeing? Gillian Jacobs. I'm going to... Oh, my name's Gillian. Fuck. Well, we're going to have to start again, actually, Gillian. Okay. So we've done uh, 16, <laughs> 16 <laughs> minutes. We're going to... Okay, we're going to... Just take a little pause. You can just... You can just go, <laughs> Gillian. <laughs> my mother cursed me with this name that no one knows how to pronounce. <laughs> you have to correct people. I mean, it's embarrassing that I didn't know that because, you know, I must have it's, heard someone say it. No, no. It, you know what? Most, the vast majority of people who have my name spelled the way my name is pronounce it Gillian. But my mother just saw it in a book mm. and thought right. it was Gillian and right. named me Gillian. So there are a few of us, um, right. but there are far more Gillians. And I think in the UK, it's Gillian almost all the time, right? It's no excuse, but I appreciate you giving me ways out of this. Gillian Anderson has made life rather difficult for me. Yes. <laughs> but then there was Gilligan's Island. and that Ugh, was really Thank good. you for bringing that up. That was my entire childhood. Okay, now this is... That's, right, we started again. Let's take another pause. <laughs> Right. I just wanted to tell you so... So that we didn't do an hour of me calling it yeah. the wrong name. 
And, and, and to be fair, if you'd said it at the end, it would be worse. Yeah. If after we'd had a lovely time together and you said, by the way, you've insulted me this entire time. <laughs> I'm not insulted by it. I, I mean, I yeah. got, I, I, you know, when I was, when I first went to school, I was, you know, you, cause you were in your very little, you're just with your family and everybody knows how to pronounce your name. Yeah. And then you go to school for the first time and you encounter, you know, people who don't know how to say your name. And I used to get very indignant, but then I realized I had to not get upset by it or I was just going to be upset. All the time. Listen, I'm so so glad that I triggered some <laughs> trauma <laughs> early on in the Well, podcast. you've already told me that I died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this has been very heavy for you. My God. All right. But listen, we got to heaven, didn't we? We got to heaven and it was nice and everyone's like, Gillian, Gillian, Gillian. And you've been there three weeks and no one's pronounced it wrong. And it's the only way to say it in this heaven. And they're like, Gillian, what's up? And they go, What? <laughs> They go, Gillian, what is the first film that you remember seeing? I think the first film I remember seeing is they must have done like a a new print of Snow White that was in theaters. My dad took me to see Snow White and I was very afraid of the witch. Amazing. Where did you grow up, may I ask? Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. And it was just you and your dad went? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I went to more films... Um, with my dad as a kid the, in the theater than my mom. That's yeah. nice. And do you, do you remember the, the theater, the way, where it was, where you saw it, like what that was there like? Was a, there was a mall that you could walk to from my house. Yeah. So I think most of the films I saw growing up were at this, this Galleria, and they had a Cineplex, and I, I remember you know going to the Galleria uh, a lot. And did you think, oh, this is... This is something special. I want in on this. Or did you think? I'm just scared. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was very jealous of Macaulay Culkin as a child. <laughs> I think I was too. Right? Because he was a yeah. kid that was a huge star. <laughs> yeah. And I was very jealous of him and his career. Yeah. And I remember looking in the bathroom mirror and going, I'm coming for you, Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you were stood in the bathroom mirror going like that a lot. No. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Like, I didn't even really get that as a child. You mm. know that. Ah, but it was just funny. Yeah. 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 I still don't so, get it, but it's funny. <laughs> it's the aftershave, right? It burns. Yeah. Isn't that the joke? Yeah, I think so. But I've never quite understood the logic of it. Because I think you have to shave first for it to burn. Unless you had shaved. Listen. I don't know. I remember thought. him with the toothbrush, buying the toothbrush at the, at the drugstore. Um yeah, but I definitely, I don't know, my, I don't think I had a concrete ambition to be an actor before my mom signed me up for an acting class because I, the, the school called my mother and said I had no friends and I was talking to myself um, at recess because I wasn't playing it with anyone. So I was just walking around by myself talking to myself. And so they told my mother that she should uh, sign me up for some kind of extracurricular activity. She said I was very overly dramatic child so she signed me up for um an acting class so once i got into an acting class i was fully in loved it my mother had dead on instincts but previous to that i don't know i don't remember wanting to be an actor so it was like if you were talking to yourself if you could be an actor then at least there'd be people you know an audience for you to talk to and they'd appreciate the monologues right i was a i was an early monologue i was yes i was 
I and I remember walking. I guess I must have watched some Star Trek because I remember walking around being like Star Date. <laughs> How old were you when this is going on? Twenty. Uh, I was twenty. Twenty one. I I probably was um, eight, seven or eight. Yeah, I think I started taking acting class around eight years old. I really like that a lot. I'm really breaking my heart a little bit. Um, what is, other than Snow White, what is yeah. the film that scared you the most? Okay, I had two categories of that. Okay, films great. that were th- films that were meant to be scary, but and then films that I found very scary for other reasons. So, <laughs> the film that scared me the most was watching The Exorcist at a slumber party. Because also you aren't home with your family. Mm -hmm. And I probably was trying to cover how scared I was. Right. Because I was around other kids. And I didn't want them to know how scared I was. So The Exorcist. And then there was all these films that I think I saw too young that scared me. um, Like the Lars von Trier movie Breaking the Waves. I saw that. And my mother took me to that. And I think I was... Too yeah. young, and that definitely scared me, but in a different way. In like an existential dread, what's the point of anything way? Yeah, or like terrible things are happening in the world. Yes. God, that's a horribly upsetting film. It was, especially at 12. Oof. <laughs> that's, that's, a real, that's a real time to receive that information. Oh, well, God. it was. I, I was talking to my mom about this recently, actually, because she was very overprotective, and um, and it kept me on a very short leash as a as a kid through high school. Mm. But she had a weird exception in her brain for art, so she would take me to things that were way too mature or had very adult content, and she didn't think twice about it. But she would. Um, really try to like control and shelter me in all other aspects. But I think art just got an exception in her yeah, brain. And so she took me to, she took me to a national tour of angels in America, the play when I was really little, wow. um, all six hours of it or whatever. Yeah. And I didn't know what was going on. I was, I was little. Um, so yeah, the, she, for whatever reason, um, she she didn't apply that same logic to art. So she would take me to a Lars von Trier movie or Tony Kushner play. But it turned out all right. I, I think that was good. I think that is good for you, isn't it? Oh, know. I'm so glad she did it. Yeah. I I I, uh, I think that was really great that my mom, you know, wanted to expose me to to art in all those different ways. What did you make of Angels of America as a? It was the first naked man I'd ever seen. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, I I didn't know, I didn't know who Roy Cohn was. I didn't know anything about 80s politics. I didn't really know. I didn't know anything. It was very confusing to me. Yeah. Very confusing to me. Um, because I was just too little, I think, to understand. AIDS. Anything. Yeah. Yeah, Any, any, any part of it. Um, (laughs) but she took me. (laughs) That's incredible. Uh, what is the film that made you cry the most? Are you a crier, Gillian? Oh yeah, I'm a crier, oh, right. and I'm getting just get more sentimental as the years go on. Okay. Oh, that's another movie I went to see with my mother. More appropriate though, which was "You Can Count on Me," the Kenneth Lonergan yes, movie yes. with Laura Linney and Mark Ruffalo. And I think that resonated for my my mom. You know, my parents were divorced. My mom was a single mom, so I think 
it really resonated for my mother and myself. And I definitely remember standing outside of the movie theater on the street, my mother and I hugging each other, crying. Uh. (laughs) So that one, I mean, and that I just also thought, I mean, the performances in that movie are so amazing. Yeah. In the writing. In the director. But yeah, yeah, you you can count on me definitely made me cry a lot. And and you'll cry anywhere, anytime. More and more. I mean, isn't that what happens as you get older? You just start, you can start crying (laughs) all the time. Except for sometimes when you're an actor and they say action and you're supposed to cry. And then it all dries up. How do you deal with that? I've asked people this. I'm always uh, uh, so fascinated with uh, people acting with the crying bit. How how and if you have any tricks or... Well, I mean, there's the standard tricks, which are like the blowing the Mental. stuff in your eye. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like my contacts kind of like block the effectiveness effect, <laughs> why did it, effectiveness of that. And so that doesn't really work for me. It just makes my eyes really red. I mean, I used to listen to certain songs over and over again or mm-hmm. um, just really dredge up horrible memories i it's better when the just the circumstances of the character can take you there but sometimes you gotta really (laughs) yeah especially if it's take 12 or whatever i think i think it's easier in a play when you have the build up in there yes or i've learned to save it for your (laughs) close-up oh interesting yes right don't blow it on the first couple of takes and then you got nothing when they come to you (laughs) hold it in hold it in hold it in that's yes. I do think getting older means you cry more. I think that's a good observation. Oh, you know, I I I have a great story about that. Actually, I one of the first movies I ever did. Oh my god, my brain just John Malkovich was in this movie for like a couple of key scenes, right. and there was a scene in which my character was supposed to be breaking down, and I, you know, I I'm not an easy crier on screen, so it's something I've always been intimidated by, and um, I get nervous about, and I just wasn't going there. And John Malkovich, as the other actor in the scene, just like pushed me there, just started improvising like questions and asking me things, and just basically like pushed me in character to start crying. And it was one of the most generous experiences of an actor just helping out another actor. Um, And so, yeah. And was that in your close-up? Yeah. Be in a scene with John Malkovich. That's 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 good advice. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, that that was like also um, just an amazing moment of generosity, you know, and realizing like, oh, you can do that for another performer. Um, so yeah, he was, he was amazing. That's, you know, that's advice that anyone can use to be in the scene with John Malkovich. John Malkovich. universal advice. It's relatable. It's achievable. (laughs) It's relatable content. Um, Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots. 
the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is the film that, critically, it's not acclaimed, most people don't like it, but you love it and you don't care what anyone says? Okay, well, you you sent a, you know, list of questions with suggested things. And actually, for I think for this one, it is true for me, Mannequin 2. Mannequin 2 <laughs> Did you see? No, what's so, it? Is that Mannequin what it's called? No, that's I Dudley can't 2. Uh, that's Arthur so 2 on the rocks. Mannequin only, on the move. Yes, on the move. So we only owned a select few films when I was a child. And looking back, they must have been just random ones that were given to my mother. There was no rhyme or reason to it. And a lot of them were the lesser known sequels. <laughs> and one of them was Mannequin 2. So I own, I, you know, as a child, I probably watched, oh, we'll save that for the films I watched the most. But okay. I watched and loved the film Mannequin 2 without ever having seen Mannequin 1 as a you, child. You managed I, to follow it. Oh, oh, you know, the one that was on your sheet was Grease 2, which I also saw Grease 2 before I ever saw Grease. Oh, yeah. That's the way to I don't do know. It. I saw a lot of things out of order. <laughs> Grease 2 is better. Is Mannequin on the move better than Mannequin 1? I think it is. I'd say, yeah. uh, is it better than... Oh, I thought you were going to say, is Mannequin 2 better than Grease 2? Oh, I'd are you saying it's better than Grease 2? What is it? The greatest film ever made? I'm sorry. I just remember it's, there's a point where she's eating a hot dog and she eats the paper that's wrapping the hot dog because she doesn't know. It's Christy Swanson, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah. I, I loved Man. Well, you know also why I think I liked Mannequin, too? Go on. Was that my mother worked at a department store when I was little. And sometimes she would go back to work. She would come home, get me, and she'd have to go back to work and finish working. So I would go to the department store after hours. And so I was there when all the lights were off and no one was there. And I got to be in the department store and I would, like, sleep. So sometimes she would, like, put me in a pillow display to sleep. <laughs> So I think I had a real affinity for the mannequin films for that wow. reason. After hours at a department store. It's also um, such a weird concept for a film. Yes. That you can't. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a real, that's like a proper 80s film when you look back and you go, what was the concept? Oh, he falls in love with a mannequin. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Green light. Ma give it all the money. But it did really well. It wasn't like they were misguided because it did well enough to warrant a sequel. So yeah. joke's on us. A sequel, a better sequel. Yeah. Um, but however, on the flip side, what is yeah. a film that you used to love? You loved it a lot. And then you've watched it recently and you've gone, oh no, this doesn't hold up for me. For whatever reason that might be. I don't know. I think maybe another film that I watched a lot as a child, which was The Boy Who Could Fly. Yes. I loved that film. I watched that I since I was little. I don't know that it holds up anymore. No? I don't think so. I, I, I loved it, but it was also kind of disturbing as a child, wasn't it? It gave me a funny feeling inside when I watched it. It was quite like, my memory of it is quite like a serious, it's like a Judy Bloom book or something. Like it's quite dark and everyone's like got issues and the boy can fly because he's 
got abuse or something? Dark's happened. Is why he or is fly? he? Yeah. Or is, is he, he dead? God? Is he God? I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that one holds up, but I loved it as a child. I mean, you've sold it to me again, and I'm going to have to watch it today. All right, we'll watch it. Maybe I, I could be wrong. I'm willing to take this answer back at any moment. What an odd film, though. I'd completely forgotten about that. Good job. Yeah. Um, well, this is like, once again, who gave my mother the boy who could fly? I don't know. Mannequin on the move. <laughs> mannequin 2 on the move. The boy who could well, fly. You can keep Mannequin 1. We're not going to need that. Yeah. I'll just take this. Yeah, exactly. They were giving my mom the movies that nobody wanted to watch at their house. It was like a parent sat down with their kids and they're like, we've got to get rid of some of these. You know, we have to get... They don't have any movies. Be nice. Give them... Give Jillian... Give Gillian some movies. Um, and they're like, oh, fine. She can have Mannequin 2 and The Boy Who Could Fly. <laughs> That's a heck of a double bill. Come on. Um, Gillian Jacobs. What... Uh, film means the most to you, not necessarily because the film is in any way good or bad, but because mm-hmm. of the experience you had around seeing the film that will always make it special to you. Could have been a first date, could have been the day you got a job. What is it? Well, maybe the movie Twins, Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger, because mm-hmm. I saw that movie maybe five times in the theater as a kid. And I just remember asking my dad if we could go see it again. And him saying yes. And so that, to me, looking back, was a generous act of parenthood. He was being very generous with me. He was allowing me to see this film over and over that he couldn't possibly have an interest in still still seeing. But for whatever reason, the film Twins just captivated me as a child. And I I loved it. And so I have this, I, I feel a real fondness that my dad indulged my desire to see the film Twins over and over again. That's so sweet. Do you think, do do you remember if he was into it or did he like have a nap while you were watching it? Well, my dad, I mean, you know, he would also fall asleep all the time. Okay. Maybe he just wanted to see what he'd missed. Yeah. (laughs) I think he was probably into it maybe the first two times. (laughs) (laughs) After that, he was probably just doing it for me. But I really loved that movie. And I don't know if you saw this, but Jessica Simpson dressed up. She and her husband recreated the poster of twins on Halloween a few years ago. I saw it on Instagram and it was, you should look it up. It was, she, she did a really good job. That's really good. That's funny. Okay. What is the film that you most relate to? This is not something I thought about previously, but maybe when I saw the movie election, (laughs) I just being, I was kind of a yeah. type A serious kid. I don't know. She pushes it pretty far in that film. I, I, um, maybe just being like a little kind of humorless type A as a kid. Um, and I also remember seeing the movie, going to see the movie Too Young, um, Welcome to the Dollhouse. Oof. I remember going to see that. And you related to Heather M- Mazza. I think I said, yeah, I think I did. I wasn't bullied terribly. I can't say that. I can't claim that. But did I have an easy time socially? No. When did that change? When did you, or did it ever? Are we still? Did it ever? Still working on it. You know what changed for me is when I was in high school, I went to this summer arts program Mm -hmm. um, that was kids from all over the state of Pennsylvania. And it was... Music, dance, drama, writing, visual arts. It was sort of all of the creative arts. And it was this, uh, all of us were living together 
in the dorms at this university and taking classes and going to performances. And that I really felt like I belonged there. It was 200 of us who all kind of had similar interests. And that was amazing. And then um, one of the girls from the program went to my high school. And so when we came back my senior year, I definitely felt like I had um, new friends because of her. And I felt like I was part of this big bigger group. So that was a very formative experience for me was right. going to that. Um, yeah. Governor school for the arch, which sadly has been defunded. Oh, so no. I would like the state of Pennsylvania to refund the governor school for the arts. Uh, seconded. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, interesting. What? Okay. All right. Here we go. Gideon Jacobs. Okay. What is yes. the sexiest film you've ever seen? Okay. The film I found most sexy as a child was A Fish Called Wanda. <laughs> because of uh, John Cleese? John Cleese and Jamie Lee Curtis, and I think she's wearing like a fuzzy sweater. Mm-hmm. That's she's wearing yeah, like an... Ang- she goes to seduce John Cleese, right? Yes. And she's wearing an, like a, maybe a fuzzy Angora sweater. Yeah, like Edward. And yeah, that really did it for me. I don't know why. He does something with his socks. He bounces them off his elbow. Uh, and then, yeah, and then Kevin Klein with, like, her boot. Doesn't he, like, take off her boots? And yeah. Like, I think it was really the sweater. I don't know. <laughs> I found that film to be very alluring as a child. Interesting. I don't uh, know what that says about me, but. I think you like a classy caper. Is what I loved about. that movie as a kid. Yeah, loved A Fish Called Wanda. Um, now, Gideon, there's a, there's a subcategory to this question, which, you know, I, I get embarrassed to ask some people because, you know, I don't know, I, we've only just met, um, but, like, if I don't ask it, people get really mad. And okay. The, the subcategory question is, uh, <laughs> it's troubling boners, worrying wide-ons. A film that you found arousing... But you weren't quite sure you should have. Maybe at my first answer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone in making a fish called Wanda thought it was like get, an gonna erotic like thriller. Awaken anything in a child. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Let me think of that. I don't have an easy answer. Can we come back to that one? I can't think. Yeah, of Yeah, we can one. come back to it. Of course, we can. Oh, another movie I watched a lot as yeah. a kid that Earth Girls Are Easy. That was on cable a lot. I watched that movie a lot, and I, maybe I found that. Maybe them in the furry... The furry aliens. Jim Carrey. Yeah. Oh. Jim Carrey is a furry alien, I think I liked. I loved that film, and I haven't watched it in years. I hope it holds up. I feel like it's That a could be one. in our earlier categories, too. That could be a risky but, Okay, so furry... So your normal sexy one is fish... fish I like one. furry... Yes. I like I liked Jamie Lee Curtis in a furry sweater. Yeah. And I liked Jim Carrey as, as the... Alien. You're a fairy. Is that the thing? Um, yeah. (laughs) I'm learning things about myself today. Yeah, I'm really, really cracking it here. You're a fairy. Okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, (laughs) good luck to you. Thank you. Uh, what? (laughs) Objectively. Okay. Objectively is the greatest film of all time. Might not be your favourite. Yeah. It's the greatest. (sighs) Commonly received. Okay, mine mine might be one and the same. Right. Uh, the the Bergman movie, Fanny and Alexander. Oh wow! 
Okay. <laughs> not been not been said on the podcast. Well, when I saw your list of do not mentions, I was like, no worries here because I haven't seen most of those movies. So. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Mine are. Yeah, is not on the list. No. <laughs> Radigan 2 and Fanny and Alexander. Can you please tell me why Fanny and Alexander? Well, that's a movie that I think is like a, a mass, a true master of the craft, a, a late career masterpiece from one of cinema's greatest directors. And I think it is a very personal movie, but still experimental and strange. But it's, you know, about looking back on childhood and these formative experiences. I also think it's visually really beautiful. I've watched it several times. I dragged my friends to the like unedited, unedited like five hour version of it yeah. uh, one time, um, and they all sat through it. <laughs> we had like a dinner break in the middle. Did they um, like it? They liked it. Okay. Maybe not as much as I did, but yeah, I I um I love that film. That's amazing. I directed a short film, and I basically decided to I just try and rip off. Um, Fanny and Alex, a sequence of Fanny and Alexander. So you mean I, literally, or as in well, you were, like, stylistically? Yeah, I just was basically just showing like this scene to like the production designer and the DP and being like, just do this. <laughs> That's good directing. Yeah, where is that? Shot? I mean, st- uh, you can find it on YouTube. It's called Curated. If you just search like Curated TNT on YouTube, you can. Oh, great! You can find it. Yeah. Do you want to do more directing? Have you done more? Yes, I've done more uh, documentary directing than narrative directing. So um, I did, I have a, a episode of this new uh, docuseries for Disney Plus. This, they're doing a, a docuseries about Marvel Comics. So I directed the first episode of that and that's coming out sometime this year. So. Wow, did you love it? I did, yeah. I knew nothing about comics going into it, but I learned a lot. Yeah. Wow. And what about writing? Do you do you write? Do you want to write your own stuff? Um, own I have I have written um, I've written some personal essays. I've also interviewed a lot of people over the last few years for print publications. So I've done a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I'd like to write some more some more um, essay type things. Okay, what um, is the film that you can or have watched the most over and over again? Well, I I think it's probably Twins from that, going to see it like five or six times in the theater as a kid. I've seen Fanny and Alexander a lot. Heat. I've seen the movie Heat, Heat a lot. You like a long film. You like a long film. I'm not afraid of a long film. You're not scared of it? Not afraid. You're not scared of running time? No. If it's Michael Mann taking you on the journey. Mm Mm-hmm. Why are you going to get upset? Go why, along for the ride. Why are you getting out of the car? Michael's driving. Yeah. Don't get out of the car. Jesus. If you're in heat, <laughs> Stay in the don't car. get out of the car. Stay in the car. Right. Yeah. Heat. I've seen heat a lot. Great film. Great film. What is the... We don't like to be negative, so we'll do it, we'll do it fairly quick. But what's the worst film you ever saw? Okay. Well, I have an easy answer for this because I did the podcast, How Did This Get Made? And they assigned okay. me a film to watch. And I watched this movie, Body Parts. For that and that's probably one of the what worst is, films I've ever seen. What is Body Parts? It's like a serial killer gets a, all of his limbs are cut off, and then the people who get the limbs also become killers, and then the limbs want to be back together. That's a brilliant idea. I mean, I think that is the premise of the film Body Parts. It's a great, it was a great pitch, but but what yeah. badly put, badly executed, badly executed, sadly. Uh, what a shame. Uh, yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> Um, what about 
Okay, so you're in comedy. You're very funny. What is the film that made you laugh the most? Waiting for Guffman. Like ah. a true, like a true theater nerd. Yeah. My friends, when I finally got those friends, boy, did we like to sit around and watch Waiting for Guffman. <laughs> Which one are you? Did you relate to all of them? Oh, yeah. Um, probably I loved the Catherine O'Hara, uh, Fred Willard. Oh, uh, I love the Catherine O'Hara, Fred Willard couple. Uh, probably, you know, I've given a, a an audition equivalent to Teacher's Pet in my day, the Parker Posey. <laughs> <laughs> or I probably at some point was just like the guy who's obsessed with Corky but hasn't gotten cast in it and is just like cheering from the, yeah, I, I, you've you know, I did I did some community theater in my day. I did dinner theater, um, so I've. I don't know that we have we have that in England. What is oh, dinner? It's where a play happens while you're eating. Does it you get a meal. The tables. You, you so I I remember the dinner theater I used to perform at as a child. Mm. It was sort of the theater was. In the center. It wasn't in the round, though. It was in the rectangle, which I don't think is a commonly accepted <laughs> stage shape. Right, right. But it was sort of like the theater was this, uh, the stage was this rectangle, and then there were risers with tables all surrounding it. And I remember it smelled really badly in there, and a, a rat had died underneath one of the risers, and they couldn't get it out. And I just kept thinking, who's going to sit and eat a meal <laughs> with the smell of dead rat? Um, so yeah. So the play would happen and people were eating and being served and Mm -hmm. talking to their waiter. Yes. Oh, I don't know. Oh, maybe the meal is served before the play begins. I don't remember being interrupted by, uh, waiter service, but it definitely, I, it was one of those, I did several plays as a child where you also had to provide your own costumes. And that was one of them. I remember as well, having to go and buy my own costume, which I didn't really realize wasn't. (laughs) How it was supposed to be until later. You didn't realize what a power move that was. Yeah. That's great. You're going to supply your own costume for a period piece. You made it, kid. Yeah. Um, now, listen, Gilliam, when you, um, after a, a, a genuine lifetime of avoiding any kind of physical movement, let alone danger, you, you know, you called a stunt double to climb over a counter. Like you've done very, you've survived this long. You got to 95. You were in perfect health because frankly, you'd barely left the house. You'd barely left the house. You were perfectly safe. You hadn't done Sedentary. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You'd made sure your house was a bungalow. So you never even had to address stairs. And one day mm-hmm. on a whim, you said, okay, everyone's always, you know, teasing me about this. Maybe I'll try skydiving, <laughs> which is the obvious next move. And <laughs> you got in a plane, you went skydiving, you jumped out of the plane, you couldn't get your hand onto the the, tuck, the thing that you tug, and you were trying to, your hand got caught in the strap, and you were plummeting towards the earth, and at first you were scared, and then you were angry, and then you were deeply satisfied because you'd been right all along, and then you smacked onto a spike... Oh, no, you've added to it. Yeah, there was a, <laughs> <laughs> it was a spike. It was oh. like the Grand Canyon. It was like one of them stal- oh. stalactites, stalagmites. And you sp- splashed onto it. And it was pretty bad as well. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I was on a hike because I don't, you know, I like walking a bit. 
more than you do. And I and I and you see, witnessed it. You yeah, saw my I saw dad? this, and I was like, bloody hell, she was Oy. right all along. She should have stayed. Anyway, I've come to like collect the remains, <laughs> but you're everywhere. It's an absolute mess. There's boulders, bits of rock, everything. So I'm, okay. I brought this coffin that was the size of you, and I'm trying to stuff you in it. But there's like mud and sand and stuff. It's like there's too much stuff to fit in this coffin, so I'm having to chop you up push you all in and back it all in <laughs> anyway i get you all in the coffin but it's rammed it's absolutely jam-packed right there's only enough room in this coffin to slide one dvd in the side with you for you to take to the other side and on the other side it's movie night every night and one night it's your movie night what film are you taking to show everyone in heaven when it's your movie night gillian jacobs go my movie okay okay my movie night in I'm you have to show... introduce the film and show I'm going to be very it. on brand for me and be like, Agnes Varda's Vagabond. <laughs> <laughs> a very depressing, nearly wordless film that follows a woman wandering around the French countryside and then she freezes to death. <laughs> and everyone in heaven's like, no wonder she walks around talking to herself all day. Okay, well, thank you for showing <laughs> us your film. Um, Gillian Jacobs, you have been an absolute delight and this has been an honour and a pleasure. Is there anything that you would like to tell the people to look out for that you want to plug, tell them to listen for, watch anything? You tell them now, please. I have several films that were supposed to come out this year, but I don't know when or how or what, given the circumstances of the world. So... I did a movie with Chris Ray called I Used to Go Here that was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest that I really love and very proud of. Um, I think it has distribution now, but I don't know what that means right now. So whenever that does come out, I used to go here. I'm very proud of that movie. Um, Great cast. Chris is a great writer, director. Uh, Like I said, I directed this one episode of this doc series that will be on Disney Plus at some point this year. I, I I mean, there's I, I don't know what there's no release dates or anything. So I don't know. I did these Fear Street movies that are really fun. I don't know when, how they were supposed to come out this summer. I don't know what that what anything means. Those were really fun. That's the one where I tried. I jumped over a counter and they had to bring in the stunt double. Um, and I guess if you just I mean, watch Don't Think Twice. You've given it a resounding endorsement. Yeah, with this podcast. I highly recommend that. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know where I, it's available on Netflix in the US. I don't know about globally, so I can't tell you that. And, oh, I did a scripted podcast you can listen to called Blood Ties. It's available where you get podcasts. You can listen to that now. It came out last year. We're doing a second season. Um, the, the community table read is still online. Oh yeah, that's on YouTube. Oh, well that one also we did in support of two great charities. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, we're also, oh, this is what I should be talking about. Yes. (laughs) I organized a prop giveaway, um, and, experience giveaway with Prizio and Entertainment Weekly. So I found all these props from community around my house as I've been cleaning. And I got uh, some of the other cast members to find things as well. And so you can win um, various props, but also you can win an appearance on Joel McHale and Ken Jung's podcast, The Darkest Line Podcast. You can win like a 20-minute Zoom hangout with members of the cast. Um, I'm going to, you know, give away one of the sweaters I wore on the show. People are going to sign Funko dolls and that's all to support world central kitchen and frontline foods. So 
enter that through Prizeo or and watch the the table read, and you can donate also to support World Central Kitchen and Frontline Foods. Um, yeah, so that 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 should have been top. That yeah, should have been at you the should top. have opened with that, but that's I should have <laughs> opened with that a close closing strong. Close to um, a load of films. I don't know if they'll even exist one day. I know, right? But, Things. Yeah. That may never come out now, but yeah, I'm. That was that's very that was very exciting um, to get the gang back together in support of great charities. So check out you can watch it on YouTube on Community's YouTube page. It's really great. It was great. Um, Thank you, Ian Jacobs. What a pleasure and a delight. I hope you have a lovely death and and, <laughs> a, and good night. Stop good night. Recording. Thank you. Good night and good, good luck. Night. Good night. <laughs> So that was episode 103. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 20 minutes of chat, secrets and the full uncut video with Gillian. Yes, Gillian, I get it now. Could you also go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and instead of writing about the podcast, write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a lovely thing to read. It helps our numbers and it means Maureen can swim in craft beer forever. Thank you so much to Gillian for doing this show. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Leiden for the artwork. Come join me next week where I will be performing another resurrection with a very special guest, Mr. Ed Gamble. Has he been on the show before? Well, find out next week. So that is it for now. I hope you all have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.